Hey everybody, this is uh, Terrible Terry here, and before I begin the podcast, I want to do a couple quick shoutouts that I didn't get into the end of the podcast, because I'm dumb and I forgot, but there are two podcasts that I think you guys should check out if you're not already checking them out. Uh, one is, uh, of course, the Bizarre Cast with uh, our good friend, The Fear Merchant. He had a very good episode that just recently came out, uh, where he talked to David Michael Latt of Asylum, and it's an awesome conversation, and I think everybody should check it out. The other one that you guys should check out is a podcast called No Sequel for You, um, and you know they talk about movies, and it's a very fresh take. Uh, I'm partway through the episode where they talk about Nightbreed and the Midnight Meat Train, uh, which is a movie that I've thought about doing for this podcast, but I think those guys have done a much better job talking about it uh, than I have. So definitely go and check both podcasts out. They're available on all the different platforms that you normally can find things like Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Google Play and all that fun stuff. But I wanted to give them a shout out because one, very supportive of the podcast that I do, and I also want to show that love and be very supportive to them. So please go check out the Bizarre Cast and no sequel for you. Well, without much further ado, let's get on to the show. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. If you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please, send it my way. Now, what do you get when you're trying to make Rocky in space? but have a shittier script, little budget, and costumes that look worse as the film goes on, while you get the 1989 sci-fi cult classic, Arena. everybody and welcome to another episode of the terrible terror podcast welcome to sci-fi month yes i know i'm more of just a horror podcast but i decided to look at some sci-fi movies and some of them will be sci-fi horror movies uh maybe ones that you have heard maybe ones that you haven't heard of but the first one that i'm going to talk about uh at least for this episode is arena and this one weirdly crossed my paths uh, while I was going through Twitter, and uh, somebody had put out there that this had recently been released on Blu-ray, and as you may or may not know, this was produced by Charles Band. If that name sounds familiar to you, it should be, 
because that is basically the creator of the empire that is known as Full Moon Pictures. He's created such wonderful franchises as the Puppet Master, uh, as well as the Ghoulies franchise, uh, and genuinely... Uh, even movies such as Terror Vision, if you remember that film from the very first episode of the podcast. Uh, his hands has been in everything. And funny enough, his brother, Richard Band, uh, is the guy that's done music for most of these films as well, including Terror Vision and Ghoulies and now Arena. Uh, his other brother, which doesn't get talked about as much, is a magician. Uh, that... Uh, you know, I learned from Phantom Dark Dave uh, quite a while ago, who, surprisingly enough, had him do magic at his house, which is honestly pretty cool. But he's probably not the band brother that you remember so much. You're kind of going to focus on Charles, and you may remember Richard mostly because his music. And um, mostly because his music's really interesting. And mostly because it's not very good. I, I, I mean, I can't fucking compose, like, horror movie music at all, uh, nor can I compose a lot of things. I can write things, I can talk to you, so, I'm, I mean, I have to say it with, like, a grain of salt, right? Uh, but, interestingly enough, there are so many freaking connections between multiple movies that I have seen on this list, from members that are in the cast to things of my childhood, uh, to just, you know, basically borrowing themes. Like, even recent ones that aren't even freaking a full moon picture thing. Like, when going through this, like, there was a voice that I heard, okay? And you're going to hear him a little later on in, in the clips and stuff. And again, before I get started, I'm going to make this disclaimer right now. Some of the clips are longer Yada, 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 uh, And the sound quality wasn't as great because uh, the audio that I got was actually from somebody uploading the whole movie onto YouTube. Yes, you can watch this for free. Somebody took their VHS copy, uh, ripped it down to video, okay? Used a capture card, then uploaded it to YouTube for everybody to see. And it's worth it to watch it that way. I mean, I would almost say... Hey, go ahead and hit pause, watch the movie, come back. Because there are things that visually, um, you can, I, I've done a couple of things, right? I Or at least the one already, which is the dance scene that we'll talk about. What is with these fucking movies and dance scenes? I don't get it. Like, in shitty dance scenes. You go from fucking uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown now to this. I mean, there wasn't any dancing in fucking They Live, right? Though, it would have been great to see Roddy Rat Piper, like, bust a fucking move. Wouldn't it? So, anyway, uh, the the dancing uh, scene is available up on the Facebook page, as well as on uh, the Instagram page for the podcast. Uh, and it's very short, it just looks very awkward, and I'm going to play some of the music that accompanied that dance scene. Uh, as for the other connections... Uh, one of the characters, one of the bad guys, or, yeah, I guess you'd say one of the bad guys, because there's a couple, I really, when you hear the voice, uh, it's going to remind you of a character, uh, and I went searching, and I'm like, that has to be him, that has to be him, that has to be him, uh, and, and I'll talk about who that character is later, uh, when we get to that point, but 
it turns out that it's not that guy. Uh, it, 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 but the guy who did do the creature voices has done creature voices, has done many, many animated series, a lot of Disney stuff, and that's Frank Weller. Uh, and he supposedly supplied the creature voices for this film. Now, it could be an uncredited role, maybe for the other guy, because the voice sounds awfully familiar. And so I thought maybe that's where it came from, but kind of thinking back on some of the stuff that Frank Weller's done, he does have a couple of voices that would be within that realm. It's just really funny because the guy actually did voices in the movie that I was thinking about, which connected that together. Uh, and then even to the point that not... And I thought the guy that was Horn, uh, who is the bad fighter, um, I really thought that the guy that was in the suit was the voice. Turns out that he's not. Uh, but the guy that's in the suit uh, was the Yeti in Abominable. That's right. We've already connected one podcast outside of the Full Moon Pictures universe. Uh, it's crazy that... That guy is in both of these films, and especially one that I talked about so fucking recently. So, I had to stop myself, because I kept going down the IMD rabbit hole, and trying to figure out where the other connections... I I mean, it's just like every shitty movie is connected to another shitty movie, in some way, shape, or forms. Okay, every movie has a sixth degree of Kevin Bacon, except for it's a sixth degree of pure shit. Uh... And it's just really interesting to see that everything has kind of come together uh, and has come full circle and connects in so many different ways. Uh, I'm just amazed at how much you can learn by just looking at the cast from this and going down. Hell, we're going to meet a character by the name of Shorty and your mind is going to be blown when I connect the actor to the other works that that actor has done. And, and I've known about, like, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of the crap the guy has done. So, and he's still fucking working in the business uh, that he comes from, at least from my childhood. So, without further ado, let's get started into Arena. So, it's not really going to spoil anything, and then you listen to the intro anyway. So, this is basically, like, fucking Rocky in space, right? Uh, it, there's a guy... Uh, he's a fighter, uh, and, and, well, when we first come onto the screen with the credits, we see this giant, like, space station floating through the galaxy, and then you get, like, weird radio signals that are coming from the station itself, and it's hard to make out exactly what they say, uh, but it's basically a broadcast that you're getting, and as we come into the scene, we see two monsters, and they're engaged in a fight in the arena. The once impressive contender is simply no match for the six-time champion, Horn. Spinner is just a pathetic shadow of a dream of And the crowd doesn't like it. Horn is relentless. He won't let up. He's already broken a so the first thing that you're going to notice is the costumes at this point in the film aren't that bad. And again, this is part of that whole thing that went on even with Terror Vision at the time, where they were filming most of these movies over in Italy, 
because the cost was very prohibitive to them, right? A lot cheaper to make the films, to get the crew less to worry about, so they could basically churn them out relatively quick and still get a theatrical release or get a, uh, you know, a decent directed video type of release that they could churn out on a regular basis. Uh, So this is an Italian-American half production, and honestly, when you look at Horn, he doesn't look so bad, and Spinner doesn't look very bad either, though he's a really fucking shitty fighter. I mean, and they do reuse a lot of the same clips again and again and again, at least inside the five things. Like, how many times do I have to see Spinner fucking punch Horn in the stomach? Uh, and it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, they they continue going on with the fight, and the little phase there that we get towards the end of it is uh, first being introduced to Shorty, who is uh, working at a restaurant, and then the cook which happens to be our main hero of the movie, Steve Armstrong. From there, you can see that he's really interested in the fight because he's got the fight on like a video screen while he's trying to cook, and people are ordering items, and it's causing a big slowdown in the kitchen. We go back over to uh, the fight, and the fight is weird because it's kind of designed in technically three rounds. I think it's the best. It's two out of three. Basically, you have two fighters uh, that fight in a square or or a rectangle right or a cross i don't know what the fuck it is it looks like it changes every fucking time so they fight and basically uh like sumo wrestling if they get pushed out of the barrier then that other person gets a point then they go back in for round two but at the same time they're like boxing or it's weird like dumb mma okay uh two costume monsters fight each other to try to push the other one outside of the ring and uh if they get two points then they win so technically it could be done in two rounds but seems like every fucking fight in this movie takes like something like three rounds right even though they could finish it in two well i mean except for the montage fights that you get later on where you just see well i don't want to ruin it just yet but you can kind of guess where things are going to go in this film because it's kind of a weak script i mean who thought it would be a weak script right there's no reason why this would be like fucking gold or anything but at least you know make the fights kind of interesting and they're not because they really don't seem to other than to create unwanted drama of one side and the other side each getting a point um and having the final fucking showdown with a third point and you kind of guess what's going to happen uh it's just kind of cut weird like not cut weird like i said they reuse fucking the same little scene again and again and again so when you have spinner here fighting horn uh, you, you have the dodging scenes that they're doing, they kind of circle each other, and then Spinner gets some hits on him, and then Horn gets some hits, and then Spinner gets the same Zack fucking hits on. Like, if it didn't work the first time, why is it gonna work the second or third or fourth fucking time that you gotta show me the same thing? Oh, you're just trying to save some money by just replaying the same fucking thing over again. And this happens, sadly, at the end of the movie with the big climactic showdown between Horn and fucking Steve. If you didn't know if it was going that direction, come on, really? So, from here, we go over and we learn a little bit about kind of the arena announcer's feelings about Horn, and we also get to learn about the handicap system that's set in place. 
champion, yes. A crowd pleaser, absolutely. But is he a sportsman? <laughs> to that I say no. In order to balance strength between species, the arena uses the Seiko 3000 handicapping system. The handicappers decrease a fighter's strength, keeping the match competitive, with the fighters evenly classed. Horton is fighting at a disadvantage rating of 0.25 cal. Now, from what I got from the film, is that there's that handicap system that you have involved, but... If you do better when one round over the other person, then you get a little bit of a handicap, so that way everything is even. So even if I was a 500 foot, uh, you know, slob monster, uh, that all I do is fucking just like slime my shit all over you and you disintegrate, they would limit my slime powers, so that way, you know, it would be somewhat of a fair fight. Like you'd be able to you know, last longer, though I'm sure if I was a giant fucking gelatinous cube that was made of acid and I just wanted to, like, sit on top of you, wouldn't I burn you regardless? Like, maybe you try to fight out, but for the most part, you would just be burning to fucking death, right? I guess that's kind of the way that it goes. Uh, so, of course, Spinner gets uh, a point, uh, along with Horn getting a point, then from one of the breaks in the rounds, we go up to the top where in, in the arena there's like a skybox, right? Uh, best way to describe it, where there's just one guy that's watching over the whole thing, and that's Rogar. Uh, and if I'm mispronouncing that name, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but he sends his assistant, well, or this other guy, Weasel, uh, okay, it's one of those films, again, where obvious names are obvious, right? So what is the weasel guy going to do? He's probably going to interfere in some way and weasel him into the right situation. Uh, so Rogar tells him, hey, you need to go down there. You need to make sure that Horn wins, to the most part, to where he brings down this vial or this needle full of weird white liquid and injects it into Horn, and Horn is able to become more powerful and actually overcome Spinner uh, tear one of his arms off, and then in the most ridiculous animation in the world, throw him across an arena. Now, when I say ridiculous animation, I mean, I get it if you have somebody on, like, strings, for example, right? They pick up the guy in the costume, and then they throw him, and you see him fly across, and you're like, man, that looks ridiculous, but it doesn't look that bad. But it's like, literally, they had him on a piece of an animation cell. And they put him on there, and they just moved the piece of paper right across the fucking screen. And it just, like, he flies in the audience hella fast. And that's how Horn wins his last point, right? But it's just so bad and so, like, funny uh, that you just can't help but fucking start laughing at the whole situation. So, from there, we go back up into the kitchen dining area, and the two little things that have been talking to Shorty, they get upset because they basically miss the whole fight and start a confrontation with Shorty. Shorty loses his temper, and he uh, reaches over the counter, and immediately he is attacked by a larger, like, fish-like creature guy named Fang or Bang or Fang or... I could never get his fucking name right in my ears. So, uh, Fish Dude, he starts to come out. And, of course, Steve, from behind the counter, goes over there and starts beating the ever-loving shit out of this Fish Dude. Now, Steve himself, a decent fighter when he's choreographed. 
but it still looks really ridiculous and almost like Shatner-esque. Like, you know what I'm talking about. When you're watching Star Trek and Mr. Shatner gets into a fight, and it's not really a fight. You know, he throws a couple of punches. He throws the guy. Uh, He's got his stunt double up there doing most of the physical work. That's kind of what this looks like. It just... I don't know, he ends up throwing him through a window, and then, of course, he and uh, Shorty here get fired. Now, the funny thing about Shorty is that uh, the actor, like, again, the voice really was familiar to me. And it's for two reasons, and there's for two things that I grew up watching. DuckTales and the Smurfs. Now, you're probably asking yourself... How is this fucking related? Well, this is the voice of Grumpy Smurf, if you've ever watched the original Smurfs. And he was the voice of Gizmoduck and Flintheart Glomgold on DuckTales. And he did a lot of Disney uh, animation. So that Disney afternoon, he had voices in everything from Darkwing Duck, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, The Gummy Bears... Tailspin, the whole fucking Disney afternoon, even Gargoyles. He was a voice on there, not a main character voice. He did most of his voice work with DuckTales as those other characters. I think out of the like 190 something episodes, he was in about 70 of them, uh, if I'm not mistaken. The, the number could be wrong, but that's what I kind of remembered from looking up his IMDb. See, every time I recognized something, I had to fucking look it up, and the voice was just killing me, and I thought I recognized the face, but I realized I've never really seen this guy act. I've only heard his voice talent, which is great. And even in this... He does look pretty old already. I mean, he did pass away in 2005. So, I guess, you know, he would have been showing his age at this point. But he's done a bunch of different type of films. The actor's name is Hamilton Camp, by the way. I realize I have yet to actually say what the guy's name is. But he did, like, he was a part of Halo 2, even. And the last thing he did was a film called Hard 4. Uh, as well as one episode of the adventures of uh, the grim adventures of Billy and Mandy, but it's kind of interesting that uh, he's done this so much, and I've never really recognized the actor as the actor. Even when you go to the Arena IMDb page, they don't have a picture of him. Uh, it's just fucking a blank person there. I mean, of course, the guy that played Steve Armstrong, we're probably never ever going to hear from again. Uh, but, wow, the, the dude was in General Hospital, Savannah, and Bruce Almighty, of all things. Uh, absolutely insane. But, really, I, I don't want to, you know, continue on this path of getting down another IMDb fucking rabbit hole of who was in this film, who was in that film, and how everything was fucking connected. I'm going to digress and go back to the story. So before they even actually get into this fight, I kind of skipped over a little bit of something here, but uh, they watch the ending of the fight itself, and that's when we get to introduced to Quinn, and she lets the audience know what her feelings about the current state of Arena. Let me tell you something, Vinny. We did not lose. You were victimized. Born as an animal. not be allowed to ring. File a formal complaint with the commission. Commission? What commission? We're 
it's after this introduction to Quinn that we get the whole situation where Steve saves Shorty from getting his ass kicked by the big fish guy by having the William Shatner fight, then throwing him through the glass, then therefore getting him and Shorty fired. Initially, I didn't really think that Shorty was fired. I thought it was just Steve because Steve is the one that was fighting, but ultimately they both did get fired. Now, what I should say about Shorty here is, and the one thing that makes him an alien, even though he looks human, is that he's got four arms. Okay, and I guess he's something called a nebulite, uh, which again, it's... And you'll hear a little more about it later. It's one of those things where we got to make names for creatures, and we're just going to make them sound kind of cool. But overall, they don't really look that much different from humans. And he really just looks like he has a pair of hands that are constantly sticking around his back. And that they're underneath the goddamn, like, suit that he's wearing. Because he's just wearing this kind of big, kind of puffy, uh, you know, outfit. I don't know how else to explain it. It's almost like he's wearing hammer pants from the neck down. Uh, they're very puffy. You can't really see anything that's in there. That's because somebody else is in there with another pair of arms that's constantly walking with them. Uh, Though, you know, the arms, for the most part, are always underneath the robes that he's wearing. uh, Except when he has to do something with the arms, then everything is outside of the arms. It's very odd. So, Steve is finding out that, hey, uh, his residency has been cancelled because he no longer has a job. And the Nebula here, he believes that he owes something uh, to Steve. Sorry about what happened back there. You didn't punch anybody. Yeah, forget it. but if I'm chopping a big mouth off, talking is no crime. Forget about it. Can't forget about it. I'm a nebulite. So? What were you calling yesterday a nebulite? Never forgets. Honor demands I repay the thing. No, just forget about it, will you? Wait a minute. You don't seem to understand. You may need my help. Without a job on the star station, you could be deported for vagrancy. Hey, shut up! So, of course, when he finds out that, you know, he no longer has a place to live, Shorty offers him a place to go. From here, we cut over to uh, the back end of the arena fighting where they're checking out Spinner, and then you get a bunch of random techno babble. Try bypassing the ED system completely. All right, hand me the Fort Well. Try it now. Nah, it ain't gonna work. Well, what do you guys think? The L3 arm is totally shot. The interrosser unit and the magnet thrusters is completely burned out. Sorry, kid, but I'm afraid your fighting days are over. Hey, come on. All he needs is a micro relay. Yeah, do you have any idea how much that costs? Don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it, Spinner. We're not gonna give up on you yet, okay? And so that's one of the many creature voices that you're going to hear throughout the film. And again, that is supposedly all done by Frank Welker. Now, again, Frank Welker, you have to go through and start looking at, oh, what are the things that he was a part of? Well, he also was in the Smurfs. He also was in a bunch of Disney things. uh, But most notably, he was the voice of Apu, uh, or not Apu, Abu in Aladdin. Uh, and he was also uh, Ray in the Ghostbusters, the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Uh, and then he's kind of just been all over the place. Anywhere with the last things that he was doing was a... Uh, he was, he's been in the Transformers Robots in Disguise TV series from 2014. 
Uh, and he actually came full circle, and in the new Smurfs movie, he's doing the voice of Asriel, the cat. Like, really? Like, he's known for a monkey, and he's known for a cat, and hefty Smurf in the Smurfs. Uh, so it's kind of odd to hear him do all the kind of weird robot and monster voices that are in the film. And when I keep thinking about the other things that he's done, especially Abu, where that's just monkey scratch sounds. But Mr. Welker's the one that did it. So we cut back over then to Shorty and Peter walking around and because Pete's going to basically have a place to stay for the night, he wants to make it known that this is the way that Shorty is paying him back for him helping out Shorty. Shorty, do me a favor, would you? Anything, kid. I owe you, remember? Let's consider this your way of repaying me. Oh. I'm full. <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to let you get away with letting me off that easy. That's what I was afraid of. That's all, rookie. So they then go down this, like, set of ladders that looks a lot bigger than it actually ends up being. Like, he drops a bag down it and seems to go down for quite a bit. But they're able to climb down there relatively fast without much trouble at all. Even though it was like, oh, be careful going down there. But it, I I don't know. It almost looks like it's like a set, right? Like, they drop it down or they zoomed out a specific way to make it look like you went down a really long set of ladders. Uh, they go into this basically underground world uh, inside of the walls of the whole arena place. I'm guessing it's like a space station that the whole arena happens. People live there, people work there, and if they don't do anything, then they just get kicked the fuck out. And this is where everybody who used to be something or needed a place to go, this is where they all live. They also run into somebody named Marcus. And Marcus happens to be the last human 50 years ago that actually won the arena. Uh, As they're walking around, of course, Steve mentions to Shorty that he's actually a fighter. There's a lot of difference between looking and fighting, rookie. No, 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 wait a second. There's something you don't know about me, Shorty. I am a fighter. Uh, I fought on the human circuit. I was ranked. I won a lot of fights. Mm. I had this dream. One day, I could come up here and fight in the arena. There's just no room for real fighters up here anymore. At least not for humans, that's for sure. So he takes him into this apartment, which he finds that it actually is open. We also learned that, uh, you know, Mr. fucking Shorty here has like 27 other kids. Uh, which is meant to be a joke, but it's not really that funny. Uh, I mean, 27 kids? I guess he gets busy? Or maybe his species has litters? Uh, you know, maybe it's like an E.T. situation. They just touch fingers, she's fucking pregnant, and boom, 27 kids later, you're fucked having to work at at a menial job, uh, on an arena floating through space where people are gonna threaten your life if you don't get your order in right. That sounds like the perfect lifestyle to me! So, they go into, uh, wherever this place that Shorty is living, uh, and they notice the door was open, and this is where we get to meet Skull. Uh, and Skull, he basically has kind of like a proposition for Shorty and dealing with fixing arena fights, to which Shorty and Steve don't want any part of it, and they just let him go. Uh, there is a little bit of a William Shatner scuffle before Skull gets away, uh, and then, you know, 
basically Shorty says, hey, you know, since you saved my life, again, I'm not sure how he saved his life other than blocking a fucking punch. I'm pretty sure if Shorty has 27 fucking kids, he can take a fucking punch, okay? Uh, And he basically, like, gives his bed over to Steve. He basically says, hey, no, it's cool. I owe you my life. You sleep on the bed. I can sleep on the fucking floor. Really? Like, you don't have a futon or something or an air mattress in that place. You got tons of other stuff. Somehow you can supposedly get eggs, which we learned in just a second are super fucking expensive. And you have all these ties, but you only have one bed and no other room for guests. Well, I guess if you're living by yourself, then you don't really need a guest bed, right? But what happens, because it seems like it's just like a fucking hole in the wall. It's more like a ledge that he's got blankets that he can sleep on. Uh, If you got somebody coming over, you mean you're there working your ass off, lonely in the space station. Who knows? He might just have the kids. The wife might be gone or the wife might have married that rich uh, asshole on the planet. Dumped you with all the 27 kids, which you're now supporting. So you need to get some action every once in a while. And all you've got is fucking blankets on a fucking wall on like a little ledge. At least get an air mattress, dude. So we get Steve having the best night of his life. In terms of sleeping, of course. Uh, And he wakes up the next morning and Shorty is cooking him breakfast. He manages, like I said, to get some eggs uh, because they're very scarce in the place. And then the doorbell rings uh, and we find out that somebody's coming and looking for Steve. How you like your eggs? Shorty, eggs are expensive. We're out of work. Don't worry, I got friends topside. We'll get jobs. Ah, that must be the skull. I'll get it. Hey, take it easy on the kid. He's a nice kid. You're Steve Armstrong? Yeah. That's right. It's the two guys that were working on Spinner back there come to basically beat the shit out of Steve uh, because they've ruined his livelihood. Because not only is Spinner down for the count, which isn't his fault, but... Their star, other star fighter, which was that fish dude that Steve beat up, is now too injured to fight, so they can't get the money to fix Spinner. Uh, and so they have a pretty well drawn out fight where Steve is just getting the shit kicked out of him. I mean, he's getting punched, he's getting thrown around, he's getting held down. Looks like he got kicked in the nuts a couple times, punched in the face, thrown down some stairs. Then all of a sudden, middle of nowhere, he starts becoming a badass and starts beating the shit out of them. Like everything they did didn't fucking face him. So once he finally gets the upper hand, that's when Steve is introduced to Quinn. So, you're the guy who fed Vang a window. Who in the hell is Vang? He must be the tuna head from the stand. Yeah, well, I was kind of counting on him. For what? Being stupid? <laughs> He's one of my fighters. As a matter of fact, he was one of my best fighters. Hey, you know, I heard about you, but I find it very difficult to believe. I mean, an earthling who can fight. You ever thought about the arena, Steve? Oh, come on, boss. It ain't gonna work. This guy's a human. He kicked your butt. (laughs) And in case you forgot, Bang happened to be a hell of a fighter, too. You're talking about arena fighting. Not for me. 
I wanted it once, I trained for it my whole life, but after I got here a year ago, I couldn't even get in the door. And I'll tell you something. Now that I've seen it, it stinks. So why don't you just take your two boneheads here and slide back upstairs where you came from. All right, way to go get them, Steve. Calling them boneheads. Take your two, um, uh, line. Uh, improvise something. Boneheads and get the fuck out of here. Uh, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, you know. Maybe he did forget what he was supposed to say the first second. I, the guy that plays Steve here, he's not a terrible actor. He's not a great actor any effect. But he's probably relatively green at this point in his career. Especially when this is his fourth most known for movie on IMDb. Uh, so... Th- Basically, Queen really wants to get Steve to fight. And she does make him an offer to which fucking Shorty agrees to. And of course, he doesn't really want to fight. And that gets you one of the more savage lines of the movie, coming from one of Quinn's people. The eggs, they're getting cold. Huh? Hey, kid, you know something? Those eggs aren't the only thing that's yellow. A temporary. Ten days with an option for a year. How about it? Damn! Now, wait a minute, Shorty. I might want to take it off this barge, but I don't have to earn it in their crooked game. That's not the way I run my fights, Mr. Armstrong. Fine. Run it any way you want, but without me. Oh, that showed her. And then, you know, the guys think the eggs aren't the only thing that's yellow. That was fucking savage. That's right. Savage. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh, my stupidity cracks me up sometimes. I Please excuse me. Uh, so he, they basically are trying to figure out the best way to basically get him off the damn arena satellite thing. Uh, to where Shorty asks him basically, well, how much money you got? And he's got only so much left over. And they decide to go to the Star Wars-like uh, underground gambling area. To where... We first introduced to Jade, who is a singer that we'll learn more about later. And we'll hear about in just a little while. So there's a whole, you know, underground gambling thing that basically Shorty, he's like, I'm going to make all your money up by gambling. Uh, he and Jade hit it off right away. She's playing some weird type of roulette game where she's throwing a yellow, or not yellow ball, a silver ball down a thing and she somehow wins and then there's some stupid thing of i don't like to play the same game a chance twice so why don't you throw the ball and steve throws the ball like a fucking pussy uh well no i should say pussies have more strength than that he throws it like a fucking imbecile barely tosses it off to the side and suddenly she's a fucking winner again uh and she calls him her good luck charm Suddenly, there's another knock at the door of the little underground casino. They give the password away, and oh shit, it's a copper, see? You better get away from here. And there's the worst, like, fucking laser battle that you've ever fucking seen. I mean, it's one thing to have the lasers just kind of shoot, like, have the stormtroopers when they shoot the lasers and them just fucking miss, right? But there's another thing when somebody's shooting a laser, and it's meant to, like, 
go hit this portion, there'd be a little explosion, but it looks like it's fucking off, like it's shooting diagonally up into the air, and he's pointing the gun fucking straight. So there's a laser battle inside this casino, and during the whole commotion, Shorty manages to steal a bunch of money from the casino, and then they head off. So him and Shorty escape. Once they get over to the local bar, uh, you know, Steve here is having a drink. Shorty shows up and gives him a, his one-way ticket back to Earth. One way to Earth? Shorty. A simple thank you will do. Thank you. We're even. All right, finally, huh? <laughs> Gotta go shop! Boom. Now... I've been thinking about this Quinn proposition. Oh, look, I don't want to hear anything else about Quinn. Look, you try it for a little while. If you don't like it, you can quit. You've got your ticket home. No, no way. Kid, you're a natural. I've never seen a faster human in a long time. You've got speed, you've got muscle. Shorty, no. All right. Look, I'll have a couple of drinks, listen to some music in honor of you last night on the Star Station. So... He even Steve was like, I totally want to fight. I wanted to be a part of the arena. I can do this. And he's like, dude, you kicked one of those guys' asses without the fucking handicap. You should really fucking fight in the arena. You could make a ton of money. No, I want to do it because it's a fixed fucking sport. Okay, yeah, all right. You wanna don't want to be the underdog person that there hasn't been a human champion in over 50 years, yet something's going to drag you back into this whole thing. You can see where this fucking movie's going. That's the problem. biggest problem I have with it is that a lot of it is fucking obvious. Uh, so they sit down and they put... Well, I guess he puts money into like a virtual video thing, like a hologram to watch somebody, which I presume is Jade, sing and dance. And this song I could not omit from the fucking podcast yes it's a little long it's not like two minutes long it's like a minute and something but you guys have to hear what the fuck kind of music is this I stand corrected. I only had like 30 seconds of it, so you're welcome. Because if that thing was any longer, your ears would fucking bleed. Okay? It is just god-fucking-awful. It's literally somebody sitting at a Casio keyboard, randomly fucking hitting keys to somewhat of a melody. And then, if this is Jade, and this is Jade's... Because it kind of looks like her, too, and she does... 
actually sing in front of everybody at one point and that song's kind of okay but it's more like a ballady type thing and it's boring and not really worth your listen but here you have it's it's such a fucking just and it's like everything sounds fucking out of tune but it's done in a way where it's like oh this is bass like and it's trying to recreate the fucking cantina song scene from fucking star wars at this point where that is a fucking piece of masterful music do 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 and you know why it's masterful because it sounds like it belongs it doesn't sound like they're trying to create just a random piece of music to make you feel like you're in another place it feels like it's just natural to the fucking scene it's entertaining it has a good swing to it you could listen to it outside of the fucking cantina at any time it could be just people on the street playing it could be a wedding that somebody's playing that song it could be just the same song that they play all the fucking time who knows but it sounds like it belongs in that scene and i know we're talking budgets here you know this isn't star wars budget this is fucking full moon productions budget budget really uh and i get it using richard here to do the music because hey gotta save money somehow Uh, but it really just feels like it's just tuned in a way with the keyboard and and there's extra effects that are added to it to make it sound kind of spacey and kind of different and then she comes in with the singing and it's like listening to that fucking chick from the rocky horror picture show it's way too fucking high pitched and it's way out of tune and it just does not match up at all. At least with Rocky Horror, her voice was already high-pitched. And I get it. I get it. That's where it should go. But here, really? Oh. Anyway. So to save us from the music, Weasel shows up. Because Weasel actually saw Shorty steal the money from the casino. He grabs both of them, of course, Steve here is drunk, and he takes them over to Rogar's place. And here is where we get to meet Rogar for the first time, up close and personal. And of course, Steve's got to make some dumb fucking jokes. These are the guys, Mr. Rogar. Do you know who I am? No, why don't you? (laughs) (laughs) He's only kidding, Mr. Rogar. He's drunk. Still puts me in better shape than anyone here. That's enough out of you. Which one of them pinched my stack? You. I don't know what he means, Mr. Rogor. I... Weasel has no patience for liars. Who are you calling a liar? Come on. Come on, I'll blow you away if I have to. And so, there's no real connection for that actor to really anything else except for Total Recall, which I think he was just a bit part, uh, he played Everett in that film. Uh, <laughs> trying to connect the dots for every fucking actor that we see in this fucking movie. Uh, so, of course, he makes a threat to them, basically saying, you've got to pay back the money, uh, or else I'm just going to kill both of you. 
And so Steve, being as cocky as he is, tries to get the one-up on him, but ultimately he decides that instead of letting Shorty die once again, he's going to make sure that he gets the money. Look, I'll get the money. Just give me a day. I like you. Twelve hours. If you're not back by then. You understand? I'll get the money. So, of course, what does Steve do? He goes and signs the contract with Quinn to be her fighter, to at least fight in one fight, because she did give him the option to cancel whenever he wanted to, but the maximum fights that he was going to do was 10. Uh, he's able to get the money for, you know, to release Shorty again. I guess this is going to make Shorty owe him one more time, because he already bought him the plane ticket, right? Or the space ticket, or where the fuck the ticket to Earth is called in this universe. Uh, and now, again, he saved his life by going to give him the money. And when, when he does come back to give Rogar the money, Rogar is very surprised. Well, it's all there. Well, me and my friend have some urgent business, so if you don't mind, we'll just, you know, go. 18,000 Kruger in less than an hour. You should be working for me. Thanks. But I've already got a job. The funny thing is, during this little uh, time of him talking to Quinn to get the the contract to bring back the money, you have Weasel and Shorty get all weirdly chummy chummy playing games like card games to where Shorty lost all the money from you know that Steve had given him inside the casino before it was busted in by the coppers. See. Uh, he here is basically cleaning Weasel out, but they're very, very chummy with each other. For the, once he's uh, given him the money and he leaves, then we get to see the big first fight of Steve in the arena. Ladies and gentlemen, never have I felt the excitement as explosive as in the arena tonight. For the first time in 50 years, not since Marcus was the king, will a human do battle in the arena. And the first thing that he's got to fucking fight is some weird prey mantis looking thing. Actually, like I said, the costumes look pretty cool upon first glance until you realize there's not a whole lot of mobility in the thing. Because all it really does is stand there and whap its fucking fingers. Like, or not fingers, but its hands. Or where the fuck they are that are out there. It's really poorly done. And even at one point, when Steve does get the upper hand on him, he punches him once in the face, he leans back, and the mask flops up and down, almost off of the damn creature. So, of course, his first round against this creature does not necessarily go the way that it should. And he gets thrown out of the little arena that's there. This gives him a break, and he gets a nice little pep talk from Quinn and the team. Okay, clear your head, kid. Look, you know who you are? Why don't you give me a hint? Not funny, okay? Look, if you lose this one, there won't be another human champion for 50 years. What? That's real encouraging, Quinn. Look, just go out there and take control, okay? Whatever you did to Bang, go do it to Sloth, okay? Right. When you got inside on him, he got real defensive. If you can get to his sense of nerve, you can win this fight. Oh, that's right. I'll try to remember that's the next time he clobbers me. If you want to win, 
matter what. Listen, I'm doing yeah, So he gets pushed back into the arena to fight this weird fucking... You know what it kind of almost looks like? It kind of looks like the human-baby-alien hybrid from Alien Resurrection in some way, shape, or form. So I'm just going to kind of think of him as that from now on. So the, the hybrid thing, you know, starts fighting back... But Steve kind of learns and adapts the way that the thing is fighting, which is it's not really doing shit at all, and manages to actually get it outside of the ring for one of the rounds and score a point. This changes the announcer's feeling from, oh my god, he's not going to do very good in here, to, can you believe it? This is incredible sport, Edge. It's absolutely unbelievable. No one figured that Steve Armstrong would last as long and be this close. Okay, now keep moving in on him, okay? He's not used to fighting somebody as fast as you are, so just get on about him. So he goes out there for round number three, and he's really kind of picked up speed, and he knows exactly how to attack it. And again, we get to have recycled scenes from previous parts, that were just fucking shown. Like, they were shown before that little break, and they were shown even before the first fucking pep talk. It's the same things of him ducking and weaving, and then just trying to beat the guy. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to a slow-mo jump kick that he's able to kick the thing and push it just enough where he knocks him over onto his side. Like, again... <laughs> It's ridiculous because when you look at it, it's obviously on top of something and when they knocked it out like they did, it just lays on its side. Like they just knocked over the model or whatever the fuck it was onto the side and they decided we're just going to leave it here like this, but crop the camera in a way so that you can't really tell that it was just mounted to the ground and it doesn't actually have any fucking legs. So Steve wins his first battle and everybody thinks that man... Maybe he's the real deal. Ladies and gentlemen, never in my long and brilliant career have I seen such an astonishing debut. Such a display of guts, poise, and talent. Not only a rookie, but an Earthman. Now, could this be the contender that the humanoid races have awaited all these years? This cuts over to Rogar and Weasel, and during this whole thing, they couldn't believe that he was actually a fighter. Weasel keeps trying to get in on the good side of Rogar by saying, yeah, I don't think he's a good fighter. Uh, and then when he wins, it's like, oh my god, I can't believe it. So back in the dressing room, we see Shorty and Steve talking. And guess who decides to show up and try to convince him that, hey, you shouldn't be under Quinn. You should be under me. You. Out. He So, Armstrong. You're full of surprises, aren't you? What are you talking about, Rogar? You didn't tell me you were a fighter. I didn't know I had to tell you I was a fighter. It's a good idea. Right, Mr. Rogar? Left shoulder, Shorty. It's a little stiff. You were very impressive out there tonight. You could go right to the top with the right management. I signed with Quinn. I said with the right management. Ask around. Nobody gets to the championship circuit without Robo. Then I guess I won't be champion. Now, Rogar here, the, and the actor that plays him really only has evil face. Really towards mostly the end of the film. Like, his face just looks evil. 
But the makeup itself doesn't really seem to do much more for him. Like, he's supposed to be some other species, but he still just looks kind of human. In fact, he looks like he belongs on an episode of Star Trek. Like, from back in the day, 70s Star Trek. Or, in some cases, maybe he belongs on the next generation. But just in some cases. Like, he's like a Romulan or something like that, but just with shittier makeup than what the Romulans had. Like, the Romulans look kind of cool. And this is like a guy posing in a very poor cosplay version of a Romulan. Uh, Just without the stuff on the top of the head, right? But he's kind of got it on the sides of his face. Kind of gives you an idea what he looks like. So, of course, he leaves empty-handed. And Steve just doesn't want anything to do with... With his back-end dealings in terms of the Arena League. Uh, Shorty, acting like his Polly, uh, starts kind of getting all prepped up with him. And Steve declares that he is going to become the champion. Jim Rogor might fix things around here, but he does not control me. Right. We've been saying for years that no human has got the guts to fight in the Arena. I'm telling you, Shorty, I can do it. Right. I can go all the way. Right. So, of course, now Steve has gone from, I don't want to fucking do this, this thing's fucking rigged, to, yeah, I can do this, we're going to totally make sure I become the fucking champion, because fuck that guy, and fuck this league, and I'm going to change everything that has to do with it, because I'm a fucking winner, and I'm on the side of good, and I'm just like Rocky. Fucking A, man. Fucking A. Way to go, Steve. So... From here, we cut over to the evening, and they're inside a concert venue. And they're getting ready. They're having a nice dinner with Quinn. And Shorty, he goes off because he wants to go talk to a sports writer to get some more publicity for Steve. And while he's gone, we get to learn the backstory of Quinn and why she became a manager of fighters in the arena. Got a long way to go before that. How do you mean that? I just mean that I want you to go along slowly. I mean, you're going to get your shot, but I want you to do it my way. Understand? Quinn, how can someone who looks as good as you do be so tough? How did you get started in the fight game, anyway? My dad used to run a stable full of fighters. Really? When? A long time ago. He handled quite a few human contenders. As a matter of fact, Marcus was the last champ. He loved the arena. Then Rogar came along and turned the sport into a business. A dirty one at that. Broke my dad's heart. My dad died and left me spinner and a couple of spare parts. That's about it. I'm just trying to keep my dad's dream alive. So she's doing it for her daddy. How great. And there's, of course, a little bit of, like, sexual tension going on here that really doesn't manifest itself. And the other odd thing that I really haven't mentioned before is every time you see Quinn, she's wearing these ridiculous earrings or 
They're her actual ears. Like, she was doing gauges before gauges were fucking cool. Okay? So she could be the hipster of fucking gauges. They're, they're like giant fucking rings, man. Like, you know, basically almost what it seems like is they went and said, Huh, you know what looks really great? Those weird buns on Princess Leia's head, right? But instead of it putting it with the hair, what if those buns instead were part of her ears, man? Like, either we could do earrings that look like that, or we could just, let's just put them in her fucking ears, man. Let's make it part of the makeup. And she doesn't always have them, but she has them in a couple of scenes, and it's kind of weird and kind of distracting. So, they enjoy the night, and we get to see Jade come back into the scene, and of course, Steve recognizes her. We also get to have a meeting with Horn, and now, listen to his voice. I'm going to just play a little scene of his. I originally didn't want to include this, but I really want to talk about his voice, and what he sounds like, and what connections I made with this. Again, I'm connecting to a bunch of different fucking movies in this one fucking podcast, but seriously... Take a listen, and then make a guess, uh, and then I'm going to tell you who I thought it was, and let's see if we match up. So, you're a crazy boy, a human contender. Well, Slav is all washed up. Don't think a minute you can get into the arena with me. I am Horn! I am champion! Soon to be ex-champion. Okay, who did he sound like? Didn't he sound like Goro? From Mortal Kombat. Yes, that Wes Anderson version of the film. Not Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but Mortal Kombat. But it's not done by the actor that did Goro. It's supposedly done by Frank Welker. Now, Frank Welker was a part of Mortal Kombat, but he didn't do Goro's voice. That was done by another actor. He did Shao Kahn's voice at the end of that Mortal Kombat film. So, the connection is there, but I really feel like that's not him. It has to be the other guy, right? It sounds almost just the same. But then I do hear tinges of that Shao Kahn voice that we get at the end of Mortal Kombat, before we get into Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Can't even say it right. Mix wallet. Just sorry about that. Every time I think about that movie, it just makes me want to fucking like throw up chunks, man. You know, you know, like when you look at the new ones and you see those body blows and the new Mortal Kombat's, right? And that you think to yourself, man, that kind of makes me sick. Uh, Maybe I could throw up. That's what happens every time I think about more. Oh, oh. anyway, uh, so we get the confrontation in between Horn and Steve here. They go back, uh, Steve and Shorty go back into the underground where they're met to uh, a giant crowd of people that Shorty has bought a bunch of merchandise for and he's just giving it away to everybody. Steve wonders exactly how they're going to pay for it and Shorty's like, don't worry about it. When you become a famous fighter, uh, you know, you're going to be able to get all your money back and then some and maybe help the people here. Uh, he's, of course, not too sure about it. Uh, but then Marcus comes over and he gives him 
the medal that he won when he was champion of the arena. Attention, everybody. Attention. On behalf of everybody here, I'd like to give you my champion medal as a token of our appreciation. Gee, that's great, Mark. What an honor. First of all, thank you. But I can't accept this. I didn't do anything to deserve it. One fight? You fought 50 fights for this. You were the greatest. You gave us hope again, boy. And you got a lot of fights coming up. So knock them dead. I'm So it's from here that everything kind of fades away. We see Weasel and Skull in the distance. And of course, you can't trust a guy named Skull anymore. He has to go and team up with the bad guys. Uh, And then we go into an ass-kicking montage that is still pretty pathetic. Because it's a lot of, again, weirdly framed things. Like, they do this weird thing where they show four images of him, right? And he's beating the shit out of some monster. But he does the same hit in each frame. And it goes from top left all the way around uh, clockwise until it ends in the bottom left of your screen of him punching or hitting him with both of his arms. It's just weird. But basically you get a whole, like, I really needed that Take It to the Limit uh, South Park song going on uh you know you need a montage montage sports training montage montage you know that song really needed to be like played over this or you know you're the best around nobody's gonna ever keep you down you're the best around you know something to get you kind of motivated i mean the little fight sequences are kind of cool the costumes of the monsters again decent at this point in the film at least for the little unknown guys but again just like with the fight with the other guy it looks like they get kind of worn down as the film kind of moves along and we'll talk about that more when we get to the final fight so uh after the whole montage is finished up we then cut in and we see the commissioner and he's starting to talk to rogar about finally giving steve that chance at the title I trust you to breathe. You've got a lot of pressure on me. Yes, I understand. And there's a lot of cougar at stake. I've got to give the people what they want. You do understand? Yes, Commissioner. So you'll set the date then? If you think he's ready, sir. Frankly, we don't have a choice. And it'll be a good match. Yes, it's going to be a great fight. All right, then. I don't know. Is it just me or does Rogard not sound very happy? Of course he's not very happy, because if he somehow loses the fight, then Rogar kind of loses the whole control over the whole arena thing, right? So, Weasel comes in with Skull, and he approaches Rogar in the way that basically he's saying that, Hey, we have a plan that we think is foolproof. It's so good that you're going to be willing to give me control of some of the uh, underground workings that you have. Uh... And we'll make sure that Horn, he wins the fight. And what is that plan? Well, why don't you tell us? Uh, look, uh, Mr. Rogor, uh, I got this plan I've been working on with Skull here, and, and you're going to love it. You're really going to love it. You might even give me control of the East Hub betting slats when you hear this. 
What plan? What are you talking about? Skull. I figured out a base for entry, the Seiko 3000, with a 50,000 round overload, three of point entry, the number 12 freezer cable. Oh. That's enough, Skull, that's enough. Look, uh, Mr. Rocco, what Skull's saying is, is that we can fool with the handicap. And no one's ever figured out how to do that before. <laughs> you know why? Because it can't be done. No one has ever been able to get into that infernal computer. Mr. Rocco, if you lose control of the championship fights, you lose control of everything. Of course, the potential of losing control of the whole arena game set uh, does scare Rogar, but he believes that he has a plan, which is, you know, he's just going to fucking find a way to cheat fucking Steve out of it. He doesn't need the plan from Weasel and Skull. Which is really weird when you start thinking about things, because the way that he won against Spinner, even after Spinner had won one of the rounds again, he had to inject something into Horn for Horn to win. Now, did they find out about that, or did something else go on? Because wouldn't you just use the same fucking thing? Like, oh, look, this actually bypassed the handicap unit that you had there. So, just inject him with that shit again when he loses one round, and get on with it. So, of course, we then go back over and we see Steve and he's training with some weird fucking armadillo thing. Uh, And he is doing relatively well in fighting and sparring with it. See, they say that this guy can act kind of like Hornax. So, Steve here, he can get kind of the best type of training in between. And the little armadillo thing doesn't like acting like Horn because nobody fucking likes Horn. Hell, even Horn doesn't fucking like Horn. All Horn wants is just to get Poontang and to remain the champion. Doesn't matter how he does it. And he's not really appreciated of being the champion, but he still is. So fuck y'all. Horn's awesome. So, uh, of course, while he's fighting this, Jade shows up. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. The biggest fucking pot twist in the movie is about to fucking happen. Because, of course, you saw her together with Rogar, right? Remember the scene hole in the club and they walked into fucking together? Of course he's her girl. And Steve, he still hasn't put fucking two and two together, okay? Because he sees her and he's sprung and he totally is distracted. So I guess Rogar's plan is to just fucking have her at the side of the arena, flash her fucking tits and have horn win the fucking match i am totally down with that fucking plan go ahead and do it because you know he should be distracted by her uh and he kind of is and when he does he ends up actually running off after he finishes practice and reaching up to her to basically say hey let's hang out and why don't you help me relax uh aka let us fuck. Why don't we get together later? You take my mind off things. We can, uh, you know, relax. If I'm not relaxed, I can't throw my best punches. Ah, and I'm supposed to help you relax. Why not? Meet me at my place. So she gives him her key to her place. So you know what's going to happen, right? 
She's going to fuck him and fuck him over at the same fucking time. Something's going to go on. She's definitely playing the other side. How he can't see it, it must be the blonde fucking hair. Because other than that, this is the most fucking obvious fucking thing for any type of storyline. That, hey, you don't realize, one, that she's on the opposite side. And two... That all of a sudden she's showing up when she really hasn't been around you before. So either she's a fucking gold digger and she's there just because you're becoming popular. Or because you control things like somebody else out there. Or that she's there to fuck around with you. uh, And not in the good way. She might do the good way. But in the end, you're gonna get really fucked. So, of course, he does go over to her place. There is a very awkward scene where she's putting on some jewelry and he puts it on her instead and then grabs her and starts making out with her. And it's the worst fucking makeout scene. Like, he really does not want to kiss her. He really doesn't want to make out with her. He's totally just avoiding doing it. It's like, ew, girls are yucky and I can't believe I have to do this. Like, like... Two kids that have been told this is what making out is. And they do it. They don't know exactly what it is. But they do it because they were told this is the cool thing to do. And this makes you an adult. That's what it fucking looks like. It looks like two fucking kids that have never kissed before are pretending to make out because they think it's fucking cool. Okay? Uh, So, of course, this leads to them sleeping together. And then when she gets up, you know, there's nothing to really see here. But she gets up and you do get to see ass cheeks. But she's got the weirdest fucking butt crack that I've ever seen. Like, it starts weird. Like, she used to wear a tail. Or they did, like, something there to make her look more alien than she should. But the top of her butt crack looks like it's got a giant fucking indent into it. And I'm not saying that she has a bad ass at all. Like, it looks nice i mean the whole thing i don't want to just objectify this lady but honestly it looks cute uh but that weird thing above her fucking butt cheek right where it fucking starts i don't know what it is it goes by really fucking fast and i didn't feel like being that much of a creeper to go back fucking pause it and analyze the shit out of her butt crack okay wait don't take that literally uh, you do not analyze shit that comes out of a butt crack, okay? I just didn't want to overanalyze her butt crack and shit. God fucking damn it. Anyway, so, uh, she gets up and she pours two glasses of a strange liquid, uh, and then brings them back over the bed. Of course, Steve's like, oh, what is it? You know I can't drink before I go to a fight. And she's like, come on, you can have one drink with me. And he downs the fucking thing and she doesn't even take a fucking sip. Like, I would look over and see that and be like, why didn't you drink it? Oh, fuck, you poisoned me, didn't you, you stupid fucking bitch. And she just up and leaves after he falls back asleep. Uh, of course, she goes back to Rogar and Rogar says something stupid about like, you're falling in love with him, aren't you? Like, he's already that fucking, like, jealous and, like, he's the one that set this plan into motion, right? He wanted to be the cuckold guy and allow his wife or girlfriend or whatever the fuck she is get screwed by somebody. So that way she could poison the fucking guy that could be the next fucking champion, right? And now you're upset by the fact that, oh, are you falling in love with him? 
What does that have to do for the fucking story? Nothing. Just let them both be evil and both be on the same side. She just wants to keep having the money and the power. He just wants to make sure he keeps having the money and the power. Let him fuck her. Then he's going to die anyway. So don't even fucking worry about it. Because you're still going to have her at the end of the fucking day. You fucking knock off Romulan. (sighs) So... They're all worried because Horn comes out into the arena. And we're getting to the very last fight of the film. So this is the last maybe 30-ish minutes of the film that we're going to be going through. And I guess what you could call Act 3, which is the final fight. They're all worried because Steve hasn't shown up. uh, And when he finally does, he is fucked up beyond belief. I don't believe this. If he doesn't show up soon, they're going to call a fight. Rogar's got something to do with this. No, he doesn't. Get him on the table. Why? Where the hell have you been? Doesn't matter. Just help me get ready. Give me the light. Pulse slow. This boy is not feeling any pain. I'm all right. I'm all right. Be still. Been drugged. I'll get a doctor. Oh, kid. You can't fight like this. Can I fight like this? Oh, come on, kid. This is the championship, Steve. It's everything that we've worked for. This will help me get ready. Yeah, look here, see? I've been up all night fucking this bitch. And now I'm here to get ready. She gave me this drink. She wasn't doing anything bad with me, okay? Don't worry. I was just plowing my way through my championship because I knew I'm going to win. And if I'm going to win, I'm going to make sure that I bang somebody that I think is super hot as much as humanly fucking possible, okay? And maybe I'm just a little bit tired from doing that. Now, help me get ready, bitch. I need to go win a fucking fight. Of course... He's fucking poisoned, right? If you didn't realize that, and he still doesn't quite realize that, until really they get the doctors involved and they wonder, hey, can he actually fight? How serious is it? Another two hours, he'd have been dead. Someone tried to poison him. Will he be all right? We've given him a powerful anti-infector. He should be coming out of it in, oh, 15 minutes. Will he be able to fight? He won't be 100%, but yes, he can fight. But I won't take responsibility. Well, it's up to you, Quinn. Do you want to withdraw? Oh, guess what she's going to fucking say. Oh, yeah, no, we're totally going to withdraw, and we're just going to end the movie right here. Dun, 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 movie's over, roll credits. Okay, everybody go home. I give this movie five out of five. No, Of course she's going to continue on because he wants to fucking fight, right? And it's only going to be 15 minutes before they give him, like, super IV or something and flush all the poison from his system. Meanwhile, we go back inside the arena, and of course Horn is calling Steve here yellow. Really, is that the insult that we're going to keep constantly throwing around here? Is this back to the fucking future? Is he Marty fucking McFly? You know, oh, you're just yellow. You're just a chicken. What? What did you call me? You know, really, this is the insults that I don't think that we should be fucking using for this type of movie, to be completely honest with you. And it's at this point that Horn's costume has gone from looking kind of cool to looking really shitty. Like it's the last day of fucking uh, their shoots, right? This is the end of the whole shoot of the movie. This is the last big thing they're going to do. And 
as they've shot the movie and as they've taken multiple takes, the suit just is not holding up anymore. It's just looking crappier and crappier. The animatronics for the face have kind of gone away. It barely moves now. It's starting to look like the monster from Terror Vision, okay? Except for he's still you know, looks kind of like a cyber demon, but not quite a cyber demon. And if you don't know what a cyber demon is, go fucking play Doom. All right. So he is like chanting out there. The crowd's kind of booing him. And of course we go back over into the dressing room and Steve, he has somewhat recovered, right? And you get to throw some of those stupid fucking, uh, (laughs) sports movie boxing movie cliches at each other and you also realize how much of an idiot steve really is just tell me one thing what who were you with last night what are you talking about it was the girl who visited you at the gym wasn't it that's my business you're my fighter you're under contract i said my private life is my business She's Rogar's girl, Steve. Where is she? Look, Steve, it's not... Never mind, I'll fight him myself. What about the fight? The fight is between me and Rogar. He's not going to get away with this. Look, if you want to get to Rogar, then go out there and fight Horn and win. Listen to them, Steve. They're calling for you. So, of course, you know, he doesn't realize until this very moment that Jade was with Rogar. Really? You didn't see it in the club. It was pretty fucking obvious in the club. It's pretty fucking obvious in the way that she worked. You got poisoned by her, but, oh, no, I'm now just getting mad and angry about it. Well, why don't you turn that anger and that madness and go beat the shit out of Horn? Which is kind of what ends up starting to happen. So he finally makes his big debut into the arena in the championship fight. And him and Horn start going at it. Horn is able to land a couple of shots. But Steve is really too powerful for him. And he gets the upper hand. Especially when Rogar realizes that, hey, he's actually shown up to fight. And Jade didn't do her fucking job. You know, she fucked him. But she didn't actually kill him. And she does say that, well, yeah, I did poison him and he shouldn't be fighting. But he didn't realize that he's got the best doctors in the fucking universe and they can clear him up in 15 fucking minutes. Really, 15 minutes? We need that technology right the fuck now. So he gets the first point against Horn. And it's at that point that Rogar decides, hey, I need to call on Weasel and Skull and we need to execute their plan. What do you think, Mr. Rogar? That plan of skulls. Will it work? You mean about the handicapper? No problem, Mr. Rogor. No problem. Do it. Right. Weasel. Do it all the way. Then we won't have to worry about Quinn's protege anymore. Brilliant, Mr. Rogor. Brilliant. So... Here we go, and we start going into round two. And Weasel is fucking breaking into the handicapper 
And it looks super easy. For something that's supposed to be impossible to hack or break into, they're making it look super fucking easy. Like, all he literally does is pull out one wire and stick a wire in another place. And then with Skull, he plugs something into his brain and he's able to control it through his mind. Because his mind is something I don't fucking know. They never fucking explain it. But all I know is that Skull and Weasel's plan works fucking flawlessly see when they go back down to the arena fucking horn is getting the shit beat out of him like horn fucking sucks armstrong is just quicker than him he's stronger than him even with a little bit of the handicap he's still better than him uh and when they finally get starting for the second round it kind of is going armstrong's way until they turned on the hacked handicapper and when they turn on the hack handicapper uh Horn then starts just beating the ever-loving crap out of Steve. And Steve, he can't see straight. Everything's wavy. Everything is in slow motion. And he's just getting beat bad. It looks like the thing that was impossible to fucking hack, like I said, has been fucking hacked. And hacked extremely well to the point where Horn, he has all the power. And uh, Steve over here, he has absolutely no strength. So, of course, the second point goes to Horn. And during the break, uh, Steve, he tells that, well, he tells both Quinn and whatever the other guy's name is, and Shorty, that something just does not feel right out there. There's something wrong, man. I don't have any strength out there. He's working you hard. I mean, even with the handicapper, you knew this was going to be a tough fight. I don't know. It's more than that. I don't have any strength out there. That's it. You're still sick. I'm calling this match. No, I'm not. I'm going to finish this fight. It's okay, boss. You can do it. So Shorty notices that something's going on up top in the arena. uh, And he decides to go out and check it out. Uh, Then they get back into the fighting. And again, it starts off kind of the same until they turn on the whole energy thing with the handicapper. And... Horn starts gaining the advantage. Shorty makes it up top and actually thwarts Weasel's whole plan from up top. They struggle and they fight in the area. And eventually he gets thrown against where the thing is plugged in stupidly by Weasel and unplugs the device. Which ultimately overloads poor Skull's brain and blows his head like in two. Like, you don't really see it, but you definitely see the brain and the backhand of the head explode. At least into a, a little puff of smoke and explosives. Uh, and then up on top, Shorty is trying to get away from Weasel, and Weasel chases him because he's ruined the whole plan. And eventually, Shorty just fucking straight up murders Weasel. It's not even a mistake. It's not even them fighting. He overpowers him right away and then just throws him off the fucking awning uh, up top or the catwalk, as I should say. And he just falls into the crowd and everybody moves the last minute. He dies and nobody fucking freaks out. They don't stop the fucking fight. They don't do anything. All they know is, hey, there's a dead guy here and he's ruining my fucking watching experience. So back down, now that the handicapper has been turned off completely, Steve starts gaining his strength back. And he starts fighting back. And of course, he comes out on top. And he's able to beat Horn and push him out for the last point. Becoming the first human in 50 years to finally win Arena. 
So now he's finally done it. He didn't have to win as many matches as Marcus had won. Uh, he got to win only like seven. Well, at least in the thing, I maybe maybe it's four, maybe it's five because everyone thought that he should have the ability to actually fight in this title match because everybody really wanted to see it. Jade ends up leaving uh, the room uh, with Rogar. He's really fucking upset, upset at the fact that she's left. And he chases her down through the audience. She's going towards Steve. And when she goes there, Rogar stops her at one more point And they have a final confrontation. You know, Rogor, there's an old saying. When it's over, it's over. And guess what? It's over. So, she goes down and tries to reconnect with Steve. And when she goes over there, she calls to them and she wants to be with him. And then Quinn just comes out and knocks her the fuck out. Just like Steve knocked fucking Horn out. And that's how he won the last point, by the way. He actually knocked him out. She knocks him out. And then we can see that there's maybe something that's going to be forming, but they don't really show it between her and Steve. So Quinn and Steve. And then what we're left with at the end is the announcer talking about how he is the first human fighter in 50 years to win the championship. And then we get the end credits. The first human title holder in over 50 years. Now, what is in store for this young man, no one can say. But one thing is certain. As long as there are Steve Armstrongs out there in the universe, there will always be contenders. was arena now in general this film maybe i got a little harsh on a couple portions of the film but really the story is very generic it really feels like a rocky ripoff you've got a guy that is a fighter he's a little bit of an underdog you know except for this time he's fighting weird space aliens it's it just there's not enough substance in it and everything's a fucking cliche from, you know, him having to come back in the final fight to him not knowing that the girl was bad news, even though everything points to the girl being bad news. It's just kind of a series of scenes that kind of go on. And really, the costumes look great in the beginning, and then they really do start falling apart towards the end of the fucking film. 
So, and, and most of the things that they spent the time on were the people that he was fighting, not necessarily the aliens around in the world. You see it a couple times in the beginning, and when they do the bar scene, and when they do the casino scene, so it looks like a fucking, the, like I said, the cantina from Star Wars, where you see a bunch of different types, but most of them are fucking humanoid-style monsters with just a little bit of makeup. Even Rogar's makeup looks horrible at the end of the movie compared towards the beginning and the middle parts of the movie. It looks different. I was trying to put my finger on it. I'm like, there's just something off about his makeup. And it's just the way that it looks like it was put on. Either they had to do reshoots and they didn't have a complete makeup crew. Or maybe they really were doing it for so long and the makeup actually was wearing off. I don't know... If you have an idea, maybe send me a message and let me know uh, if you have seen this film. But it's just weird. Like, everything just kind of... It got kind of boring towards the middle and end of the film. But in general, it was actually pretty entertaining, to be honest with you. This is one of those movies, it's so bad, it's good. The acting, terrible, but very enjoyable. I mean, you look at Hamilton Camp... And he truly is one of the best parts of this movie. The character's a little annoying. It's basically just Polly to Rocky, right? As Shorty is to Steven. But he's probably the better actor out of everybody in this film. And he gives a little bit of emotion and a little bit of comedy along with it. Not the best amount of comedy, but just a little bit. Even Weasel's fucking costume, man. And even the way that Weasel was fucking punked out and thrown over the fucking railing. Why did he have to die? Why did Skull have to fucking die? I get it maybe a little with Skull, just because the idea was kind of cool with his death, right? He just gets overpowered, his head explodes, but there's really nothing there other than a puff of smoke and some sparks, right? So his brain got overloaded. Maybe that's what we're going to say. But it's weird if his brain got overloaded when he wasn't really truly connected into it. But maybe because when this connection was severed, that's where we got that. And we never really see a lot of the other fighters again. We never see the fish guy again. We never see Spinner again. The armadillo guy just shows up for one fucking little scene. And then you get the weird creatures kind of in the montage of Armstrong kicking some fucking ass. So it's not... Like, like I said, it's just a very generic story because honestly, it was done right in the beginning. I'm like, wow, they got to him getting the fucking ticket really fucking fast. And then because he stole the money, that's what leads everything along. Okay, yeah, I guess this is going to link to something, which is going to link to something. And it's going to get him fighting. And then I kind of guessed everything. And then it was like, even when I saw that Jade person, I'm like, oh, okay, well, she's probably a bad guy in some way, shape, or form. One, because she's in the underground casino. And two, because she just looks like a bad guy. It's like fucking. Fucking Rogar and his face constantly looking evil. He never really shows any other emotion until the end when he loses Jade. Uh, and when he gets scared that he's going to lose all the power and uh, money that he gets from being the guy that fixes all the fights in Arena. So, what are my ratings for this movie? Well, the gore is a 1 out of 5. There's really no gore in this fucking movie whatsoever. You see... Uh, uh, spinner lose an arm uh and you see like where the arm's missing but that's about it and like i said the explosion of skull's head really isn't anything at all the crap factor this movie is a five out of five it is 
pretty goddamn crappy. Uh, like I said, from the sets being constantly, constantly using the same fucking footage over and over again of the different fights, even though it's a different fight, there's still the same footage uh, within that fight that you're watching it, right? The costumes. The costumes look great at the beginning of the movie, and at the end of the movie, they look like absolute crap, because that costume is finally worn down to the point that they shouldn't be using it anymore, but yet they're still fucking using it. So it looks really weird to see that at the end of the film. The fun factor for this movie is a 4 out of 5. Originally, I gave it a 5 out of 5, but then I started to think about it. And I was like, you know what? As fun as this movie is, there's still some things that really irk me. And I'm sorry, Richard Band, but the music is absolutely terrible in this movie. And the more I had to re-listen to it while I was grabbing the audio for this, the more and more I hated the fucking music in this movie. It really just does not match in certain areas. And other areas, it seems like it's overly forced. Um... And uh, and then, then there's some where it does kind of work with what the scene and the mood that are kind of being presented to you. So overall, I give this movie a three horns horns out of five. Uh, should you see this movie? Yes, I think everybody should see this movie once if you've never seen it. It truly is a cult classic. Uh, it truly is uh, a very low-budget sci-fi movie. Um, it's not like some of the Star Wars clones that were out there, uh, like Turkish Star Wars and things like that, but it definitely is a terrible movie. But it's very enjoyable in sections. The fighting scenes, the action scenes aren't terrible. You do laugh at the surroundings, the way they present stuff, and then there's things that are just kind of fucking annoying. So it's a very right-in-the-middle type of film. And, like I said, everybody should see it, I think, at least once. Now, continuing with Sci-Fi Month, because for Season 2 here, we have two more days left in June, uh, so we're going to do two more Sci-Fi films. And this request actually comes from... uh, one of the Facebook followers. This is uh, Cody Stradley. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Uh, but a little while ago, um, you know, he gave me a couple movies and he said, hey, there's one that you should check out. And you know what? I decided that, hey, um, I'm going to add into this. So let's listen to the trailer. Twenty-six rooms high. Twenty-six rooms across. Seventeen thousand five hundred and seventy-six rooms. Does anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. But I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. I looked in the room down there and something almost cut my head off. Motion detectors integrated into the walls. Top to spot. You're not getting out of here. Yes, we are. There is no way out of here. We need to get around the trap. They're identified by crime numbers. Figure it out. I can't. I'm not dying in a rat maze. No more talking. No more guessing. You gotta save yourselves from yourselves. 
could be moving in circles the runes have. We are the key. The cube is us. That's right, the next film that we are going to look at and review is Cube. Wait, where the fuck did all of you come from? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I get it, I get it, I get it. A lot of people really like this film. And I'm probably, uh, well, no, not probably. I'm definitely one of the ones that do really like this film. But I want to take an objective look at it. And it was a suggestion that somebody brought up to me. And it's probably the best thing because I want to do the other ones. The other ones definitely belong more in the terrible side of things. But if you've never seen Cube before, and I know a lot of people have not seen Cube, this is a very good introduction to the franchise. you got to know where it starts before you go to the other films. Because honestly, all three are connected. Hypercube and Cube Zero. Now, I could have done it in order of, you know, like storyline. Because Cube Zero technically starts before Cube, and then Cube leads into Hypercube. Hypercube most definitely fits everything about this podcast. Um, It's just, it was a good idea gone too far. Cube Zero is kind of in between. It's a prequel, uh... But And it has interesting ideas, but it's got some terrible parts to it, too. So, the the idea I had, is, since it's, this is more of a sci-fi thriller, still considered a horror movie, and of course, as you may know, is the inspiration for that scene within Resident Evil in the hallway with the lasers and cutting that person apart. That actually exists in Cube. Um, and I think that everybody should know about this film. And I'm going to be as objective as I can, even though I know I like it. But I haven't seen it in a long time, so maybe Nostalgia Blinders might uh, change my view just a little bit. Uh, But I know that a lot of people love this film. It's like me saying Event Horizon is also going to be a part of this podcast at some day, some time. And some people really love that film, including myself. And some people really fucking hate that film and think it should belong here. So it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword. But for Sci-Fi Month, I thought, what a better way to bring this to more people that maybe haven't heard of this movie before uh, and have them watch this film with me. Now, it is available to rent on YouTube and iTunes, uh, as well as available on Amazon Prime Video, I believe, to purchase or rent. Uh, It is a movie that I think that you really do need to watch, um... Even before the podcast, you know, I say that a lot of time at the beginning, oh, hey, pause it and do this, but I really want you to have the full effect if you've never seen Cube before. Have it seen and then listen to the podcast for that one, because I want to see if our ideas kind of match up, uh, and I want feedback for it, so... Uh, as always, you can always follow the podcast on Twitter at T underscore T underscore podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast on Instagram at terrible terror podcast. Uh, and you can find rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google play, Blueberry, and of course our home on Spreaker. Uh, and then you can email suggestions, ideas to terribleterrorpodcast at gmail.com, um, where I'll take in reviews. You can also DM them to me or tag me in something on Twitter or 
uh, send me a post on the wall of the Facebook page, anything like that. Uh, and uh, I'll take your guys' suggestions uh, depending on type of movie and uh, whether or not I've either done it or I consider it to be uh, a part of the podcast. I mean, eventually everything's going to have to be done. I'm going to have to do good movies because you can only go through so many horrible movies that people don't know, uh, you know, but there are a bunch in terms of the realm of horror. Uh, but a lot of people, what I like about horror, uh, and I know this is getting off tangent, but a lot of people that watch horror, they watch a lot of horror. Uh, it's not just like, I only watch the big name action movies or the big name, uh, comic book movies or whatever it is. When it comes to horror, anything is viable, uh, which is great. You can just digest horror no matter where it comes from. Uh, so We've got two movies left within this month. Uh, the next one will be Cube. I'm still taking suggestions for number three. Uh, I have an idea, uh, and I don't know if I want to save for this or for something later on. Uh, so, uh, and and again, there's uh, you know ideas, but we'll see. But definitely for next time, watch Cube, uh, and the podcast will be out two weeks from the date of this release. Uh, and I thank everybody again, like I always do at the end, for listening, for rating and reviewing, uh, for even chatting with me on Twitter or Facebook uh, or Instagram. A uh, lot of new followers to the podcast on Instagram. Uh, slowly building up those numbers there. And a lot of new followers that are coming. I think we're close to re- reaching 800 followers on Twitter. And remember, when I hit 800, if you're number 800, you get to tell me what I, I get to watch. Uh, so as of this podcast, I think we're at 770-something. Uh, I want to say 75. Of course, you know, I'm not the best at looking over. Oh, 786, I should say. So we're only t- about 14 followers away from, at the time of this podcast, from 800. And when I hit 800, you get to name the film. So please, please go out there. Uh, and if you follow the podcast on Twitter and you've got a Facebook, please give the Facebook page a like. Uh, it's sitting at 24 people, and uh, I know I always say I want to do more with it, but I feel if there's more people that are attached to the Facebook page, rather than it just being a, hey, I put the podcast up page, I maybe I'll be inclined to do a couple things other than just that, especially since they're going to have more video-related stuff maybe that I could do for the Facebook page. We'll see. Uh it's hard getting things up there without it getting taken down within five fucking minutes. Um, especially when you're just talking about movies, you're not doing anything else. Oh, and I forgot, don't forget to check out, too, uh, there is a Periscope, I think that's still available right now, uh, video that you can find through my Twitter uh, of me talking about Alien Covenant. Uh, I have thoughts on that movie and uh you can check them out and leave me messages about what you think about alien covenant i didn't want to do a podcast episode and i didn't want to do a video because not a whole lot lot there i just want to do something quick while the movie was still fresh in my mind so you can find that on my twitter page uh or if you're on periscope search for at t underscore t underscore podcast and you can find the video uh as i've left it up there saved and replayable so Again, thank you guys very much, uh, and don't forget, next time, we're watching Cube. All right, bye-bye.